Hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. On today's program, documentary filmmaker Cindy Meal talks about her new film, The Dog Doc, that's coming up on Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Dan McPeak. Well, hi there. Happy Thursday. Welcome to another show. How are y'all doing in quarantine? I'm three and a half weeks in. in you're, I feel like I'm starting to get that into that place of not wanting to go places necessarily, but just not being cooped up with my family 24-7. Like, there's there's a little bit of that wandering soul in me starting to kick in right about now. Maybe it's because of all the friends I've been talking to online and wanting to see them. But, you know, we'll get through this eventually. Um, if we all do our part. Uh and speaking of doing our part, uh, there's a man, Marty Goldstein, uh, who is one of the pioneers of integrative veterinary medicine at his clinic, uh, Smith Ridge. Um, he uses traditional medicine, but also a lot of alternative methods, such as cryosurgery. Uh, and he talks about uh, titering. Um, which is a, a method to do with uh, vaccines and vaccinations. And he was recently the subject of a documentary called The Dog Doc, which was directed by my guest, Cindy Meal. Uh, Cindy had been a client of Marty's for, for many years, and after her first film, Buck, in 2011, really wanted to, to make a film about Dr. Marty. The interesting thing about Cindy is that she didn't start out in film. Uh, she started out as a fashion designer uh, and a fine artist uh, and only released her first film in 2011, and that was the aforementioned Buck, uh, about the real-life horse whisperer, Buck Branneman. Uh, and then from that, she, she did a, a mini spin-off uh, on, on television called Seven Clinics with Buck Branneman. Um, but through her company, Cedar Creek Productions, she's also um, acted as executive producer uh, on many other documentaries, including Dogs on the Inside, Unbranded, Trapped, For the Birds, The River and the Wall, and Rewind. Uh, and the reason why I mentioned Rewind is because the director of that, uh, Sasha Neuberger, uh, will be interviewed uh, in a couple weeks for this show as well. And Cindy actually pointed that out to me before we started our interview. 
but her current one is the dog doc, which, as I says, uh, features Dr. Marty Goldstein and his clinic Smithridge. Uh, and as well, it follows animal patients and their owners as they're trying to get through serious illnesses. Smithridge is often a last resort for pet owners who have already spent a fortune on uh, medical care for their beloved four-legged children. And, well, everyone has an expiry date, humans and animals alike. Dr. Marty, as he is affectionately called, is often able to ex extend the lives of these patients exponentially. And like I said, Cindy Meal had been a, a client of Dr. Marty's for years. All said and done, this documentary took about four years or so to make, four or five years to make. Uh, just been released, and Cindy Meal, the director, joined me a few days ago to talk about the film. Here's my conversation with Cindy Meal. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? I'm good. How's uh, how's the quarantine life treating you? Well, you know, I hate I I don't want to sound glib about it, but I always work from home, and I have my dogs here, and I'm working as hard as ever. So I, it doesn't feel odd, except that I feel afraid to go to the grocery store. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not so bad, but you know, I'm ready for it to be over anytime. You know, you, you, you mentioned your dogs and that's sort of what your, um, your latest documentary is about, the, the dog doc, which is about this man, uh, Marty Goldstein, um, and his love of animals uh, and his holistic vet clinic. Uh, yes. How did you first become aware of, of Dr. Marty, uh, as he is known? Well, I was actually one, just like the people that you see in the film, I was one of the people who went to him in desperation. Someone said, um, because my dog was dying, they were like, have you talked to Marty Goldstein? And I had never heard of him. And I, I was maybe a little skeptical because I'd already been to so many really good vets. And, and uh, but you know, I had no other options. So I went and that was almost 30 years ago. And he turned this dog around. It was it was really astounding. It, it was a miracle that she suddenly, not only did she get better and live six more years, she was only six at the time, but um, she started acting like a puppy and doing things that I hadn't seen her do since she was a year old, literally. You know, um, the, the term alternative medicine is kind of, frowned upon when humans go and, and, and seek it in a way, do you find that there's that same, same fear when, when we talk about our pets re receiving this type of care? You know, that's a great question. I think that because I have been doing this so long for my own pets and myself, that it, it just seems so obvious to take in a way, a simpler path and to do things that don't have a laundry list of side effects 
to me, it just seems like a no brainer. Like, why wouldn't you start there first? And I'm not saying that, that conventional medicine and pharmaceuticals are bad. Certainly they have a great purpose and have saved a lot of lives. But I think that for me and for my family, we always tended to take a more natural route and, and had great results and therefore don't have a laundry list of side effects and don't have a laundry list of pharmaceutical drugs that we're on now. So, so I think the proof's in the pudding. If you live it and you see it and then you realize the benefits, then it's, it's just hard to deny. But we should make clear, he, he, he makes very clear that he's a, um, an in, uh, integrative veterinarian and, and deals in holistic medicine. How would you describe what, what integrative medicine is for those who might not be familiar with, with that term? Well, all of these vets, and I really highly recommend integrative medicine because it, it means that you've had a real traditional upbringing uh, medical education. You know, you've, you've done the conventional route. You know about, about all types of pharmaceuticals, but you also know everything about the body and everything they would teach you in med school. So, so you are a legitimate doctor and but you also, in, in this case, these doctors have spent a lot of time studying other things like supplements and Eastern medicine and acupuncture and homeopathy. And there are a lot of studies to back all this up. People go, oh, that's not evidence-based, but there are plenty of studies out there if you look. And so they, they bring to the table this much larger toolbox and they're looking at the whole animal. They're not saying, okay, we're just going to treat that headache with an aspirin. They're going to say, why are you having headaches? You know, what are you eating? Are you sleeping enough? And, you know, what chemicals are you exposed to? So there's, it's more of a whole body approach um, instead of just the body that grew the tumor and we're going to only treat the tumor with radiation. They're going to try to figure out why the body grew the tumor in the first place. So for me, you know, I just like that kind of common sense approach. And did, did that explain it? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you follow, I, I guess it's four different um, owners uh, and, and, and their animals. As, as, as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, how did you decide which stories you were going to follow? Well, a lot of it had to do with, with what we could really get the whole story. I, you know, sometimes people would come in with an animal and they were sick and they would do something that, that seemed, you know, almost rather simple and animal got better and they didn't come back necessarily. So it, sometimes there was just not a lot of things to follow in a case. Uh, sometimes we didn't get back there when they came back and that might have been a really interesting case, but you just, you know, didn't know when they came back. It was a lot of, a lot of things to follow. There was, you know, you had to have your crew available. You had to have the doctors and the front desk with all their tons of patients be able to remember you were filming one, you know, this particular dog and then call me up and get me over there. So it was, it was a real juggling act to try to follow any of these stories. Um, here again, you don't know when a dog is going to be sick. You don't know when they're going to need to come in. And so we kind of chose stories that I thought were pertinent to people. Cause you know, dogs are in a way very similar to people. Um, 
the way the bodies work. And so, you know, they test on dogs a lot. So, so I just thought that giving people stories that they might relate to personally, like kidney issues and things like that, and stories that we had complete stories, um, and, and the stories that just moved me, but there were so many that moved me that did not end up in the film. And we needed, you know, really almost a series <laughs> to cover them all. Um, I, I understand that you kind of got into filmmaking almost accidentally. I know your background was in, in fashion and, and fine art, and then you met a, a horse whisperer um, a number of years ago. What made you make, make the leap from, from fashion to, to film? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I really was riding horses and I was going to uh, some clinics with a man named Buck Branneman. And at the time they were talking about doing a, a narrative kind of film on him, you know, with actors and stuff. And I kept thinking, well, you know, it would be really sad if no one saw the real guy because I don't think anyone could really play him that well on screen because he was such a unique person and he had such a unique gift with horses so so i just decided that it'd be a good idea to make a documentary on him thinking that there'd be a narrative film coming out at the same time but then that film did not happen and i continued to make the documentary and and the result was this film called buck in, in for you you know as, as someone who's sort of been a lifelong creative, how would you compare your, your, your process of, of making a film, whether it was Buck or whether it was the dog dog versus sort of how would you approach fashion? Well, between fashion and even a painting, for me, filmmaking was almost more like a painting in the fact that it was, it was a rectangular, well, a screen was like a big rectangle that you had to fill up. So I was, I was very interested in the way it would look from the artist standpoint of me, um, for the fashion part, I guess, came in is that, is that I would design things that I really liked or wanted to wear. And, and so I felt like that these stories, whether it was about Buck and the way his, he did horses or whether it was about Marty and, his approach to healing animals, I thought it was really interesting and something that I felt very compelled to watch and something that was different and that people needed to know. And that, and that I just felt like it wasn't out there. It wasn't so mainstream. And, and I can tell people personally, I could tell someone and, and I did, I would always say when their dog was really sick, I'd say, you know, go, go see, go to Smith Ridge clinic, go take your dog over there. Because I think, that you might find some different answers. You know, their dog would be really sick. And inevitably they would come back and thank me and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. My dog's so much better. So in the same sense, I just thought, I wanna tell these stories about these people because I think it would really help people. And, and these are serious issues. You know, you want your horse to be happy. You want your dog to be happy. And to me, these were ways to help animals. As, as, as someone who used to work in fashion, what was your take on Dr. Marty's uh, clothing choices? Because I think he said, you know, he always dresses, you know, in clothes that are probably 20 years too young for him. 
as as was said in the film yes um you know what if you know marty then you just realize that that his clothes are so perfect for him really because i you know even though he's now in his 70s he is probably closer to the energy of a teenager and he's very exuberant he's very exuberant about exuberant about life he has so much hope for your dogs when you bring them in and your cats and and he kind of just lifts your mood and your spirit and i think that translates even into his healing that somehow people get very excited about it they feel better the dogs pick up on that energy they feel better and and beyond the actual medicine that he's practicing i think there's something really important and powerful about just the mental attitude and the spirit that he brings to the place and his clothes going back to that reflect that you know uh, making a documentary is a very long drawn out process uh, and, and i know i think one of the animals i think it was um uh mulligan it was almost a a, a two-year follow-up what what was the process like for you in terms of you know, pre-production, actually starting filming and then, and then putting it all together? It took, my goodness, you know, really almost, we're going on into four years, over four years now. Because we started, I mean, I actually approached Marty after we made Bach, and that was around 2012. And then I got involved in some other projects, and he was involved in some other projects, um, you know, where they were, thinking about maybe making a TV show with him. And I thought, well, I don't want to interfere with the TV show. So, so long story short, it, it took several years before, I think it was right in 2016 when we finally said both of our schedules were perfect to start this film. So, and that's what we did. But he even let us, you know, as a filmmaker and going back to fashion, I like things to just look good. And the clinic, all the rooms were painted this pale yellow color. And so I went in and did a test shoot and it could have been 2015. And people just looked kind of sick against that yellow. I mean, nothing, it just was a bad color to film. And so he allowed me, I said, can I paint your walls? Because I just can't bear to look at hours and hours of footage with this yellow wall. So he, he let me come in there. Um, I sent a painter in there and we painted it blue, which people looked great against the blue. Um, but we changed lighting in the ceiling because you know, most of my films have been shot outside and where everything looks great. And so to have to come inside where there was fluorescent lighting was was part of the challenge and so we spent quite a few months just trying to get the place where it could fit where you could film in there and we created a room that was bigger where they could do appointments sometimes where we could just get a crew in because you have a tiny room and you've got two owners and a doctor and a tech and then you get the sound person and me and the camera person in there and it's it's becomes like a clown car you know so we we did they were so nice to let us do all this this adjusting you know to where we could get um a prettier movie out of it what do you think a, a film like this will teach us perhaps about the the importance of 
pets in our lives because, you know, you, you have a woman like Lee who was spending, you know, $1,200 on, on therapy for, for her dog waffles. Um, what, what makes pets such an integral part of, of our lives? Ooh, that's a good question too. I, you know, I think you know, people are, have the misconception that everybody that walks into these vet clinics have a ton of money. Um, a lot of these people had already spent a ton of money at, at conventional um, veterinarians. And, but you know, when you really, when you have an animal that is part of your family, it, it's, it's like a child. I mean, I really think it is. There's more and more young people are opting not to have children and they have pets and they are their fur babies. Um, I, I don't think you can put a price on an animal's head. And certainly if it comes down to whether or not somebody's gonna put shoes on their child and food on the table, I'm, I'm sure there's some hard choices to be made at that point. And, and it is very heartbreaking when someone really cannot afford medical help for the dog. Um, but I do think that ultimately that this path of supplements and doing things more naturally in the long run is actually much less expensive than putting them on certain other drugs. And then the side effects, you know, weakens the immune system and you see all these autoimmune diseases that would, would come in. Um, so I think, I don't know what price can you put on joy? I, I don't, I can't quantify the amount of joy that I get from my dogs and, and how you can be in a bad mood and you just look at them and you're, and it just lifts your mood so much. So it's, I think people with animals that they really adore would are totally understanding everything I'm saying right now, but um, you know, it is, it does, unfortunately get down to money and healthcare for people and for animals a lot of times. You know, and on that note, considering the, the current economic downturn that, that we find ourselves in um, mm -hmm. with, with mass unemployment due, due to the lockdown, how do you think that's going to affect pet owners' ability to afford care for a, an animal that might be sick? I think it's going to greatly affect it. I, you know, we are in very challenging times right now. And, um, you know, when you lose your job and you do not have income coming in, then I am sure that's a choice that people will have to make. And, and it is very sad to me. Um, you know, I wish, I wish that everyone would also look at, um, health insurance for their pets. That's another huge thing that, that we didn't actually get into the film, but we are cutting an educational series and there'll be a whole section on insurance because if you can start early and get insurance for your pet, you know, vet bills do add up and, and this is a great way to help alleviate those bills, even with this type of holistic care. Because I, I think one of the things that I understood after filming there for three years, you know, these doctors have had as much training as a normal doctor you know, a person doctor, they're paying rent, they're paying for insurance, they're paying the overhead of, of everything that's coming into that clinic. Um, you know, an MRI machine is the same MRI machine they use for people. A blood test, you know, lab work is the same lab they're using for people. So 
there is, I believe, a misconception that, well, it's just a dog, it should be so much cheaper than with a person. But technically, it's really a lot of the same stuff. The syringe, everything is really human grade stuff. So, so to sort of think, well, why don't they just charge me less? They're still paying the same amount. And and it was kind of an awakening for me to sort of watch all this this take place like that. And I I think therefore people like they would for themselves need to think of pet insurance because it's very expensive to run a vet clinic and vets are not raking in the dough. Like I think people think like, oh, it's so expensive, but you know, they make less money than doctors. You know, on, on, on the note of uh, health insurance, you know, I mean, in, in Canada, at least we, we have a very good health system and the, the conversation that's happening right now around, you know, public health care and, and public access. How do you think we can include our, our pets in, in that conversation, if at all? Well, I think yeah, that's a tough one because certainly I think people certainly deserve to have health care. And, and of course, I believe that dogs should have it. But I think we're struggling so much just to get decent health care for people these days that that would be the first thing to tackle. I, I think people should just really think before they buy an animal or adopt an animal, you know, is this breed the right thing for my family? There are certainly breeds that are going to cost you a lot more. Any of the breeds with the smush noses, they have heart problems, they have breathing problems, and in general, their health bills are going to be a lot higher than certain other breeds, you know. So I think that just to look at the breed and what, and be realistic about what are the health problems that could come down the road with this animal is something that they should look into, and certainly, certainly insurance, pet insurance. You know, one of the things that Dr. Marty, it talks a lot about in, in the film is is vaccines and, and his sort of take and approach them. And, and he was very careful to say that he's not an anti-vaxxer, but given the misconceptions that people have about him already, what was the conversation you had with your team about finding finding that balance between his views and not sort of in you know in inflaming the the, the anti-vaxxers or, or those on either side of the debate? Well, we we actually, you know, I have heard that, oh, well, it's such a one-sided uh, view. And, and I have, I really tried desperately to set up interviews with quite a few people who were experts in vaccine. I tried to talk to the American Veterinary Medical Association that has a list of scheduled vaccines. And as soon as they heard, I, you know, they said, what do you want to talk about? And I, I named some things and I said, you know, I want to talk about titers, titering and, you know, the vaccine schedule with dogs on, and they stopped calling me back immediately. It was, it was crazy. And then we also had set up uh, interviews with five scientists at Kansas State University where it's a major lab for vaccines and that's where you'd send all the rabies tests to see you know about rabies and the head rabies expert there was very very excited to talk to us about titers and she really believed in titering and um and i had it all lined up i had the crew i had the hotels the planes the, the cars everything very expensive shoot and 
two days before the the head of the university called and shut it down said well you really we we you can't come down here and and you know interview these people and it was only because my whole purpose to go was to discuss vaccines so to me it's really ironic that if everyone's saying how safe and wonderful they are why can't anyone go on record and talk about them? I mean, I wasn't going down there for some smear campaign or anything. I was excited to talk about titers and how they work because a lot of people don't realize you can titer your dog and find out if they have antibodies and you probably never have to give them distemper or parvo after those puppy shots. You know, there, there's some shots that you really are pretty good for life on. And so, this is a conversation that everyone should be having. I, I don't understand the mystery that surrounds it. Like, it's great to say you have to have them, but if anyone wants to talk about how do you make them and what's in them, and you know, why is the dose for a Great Dane the same as for a teacup Yorkie? You know, they give them the exact same dose, and that's kind of crazy to me. So I just was looking for information, and and so, Nobody seemed to want to give it. So it wasn't for lack of trying that I, I tried to discuss vaccines on, on many levels. Um, so, I, you know, you have to wonder. Is it, I mean, part, do you think part of the perhaps reluctance on, on the part of people to talk in science is they don't want to be a, a, attacked or, or question on their work, which they feel ha has already been vetted enough, so to speak? No, not really, because, because has it really been? I mean, where are the studies where they, you know, combine, you know, here's five different viruses, here's five, um, you know, different um, uh, adjuvants that they put in it you know there's there's metals if you look at studies about this metal there's a certain limit that's considered safe for the blood brain barrier um you know it's just why can't we why can't we talk about it i, I truly am not looking to say oh this is bad my kids were vaccinated 100 percent. you know i did titer them later in life before they went to college so that they didn't necessarily need have to get an mmr again um but to me, that's just, why is it so secretive? You know, why can't we go and sit down and say, this is how it's made. This is how you make, you know, 100 million doses of the flu vaccine every year. This is what's in it. I know it's proprietary, some of it, and they, they use that. But then, then you go back to the fact that since the 80s, you have not been able to, the, the pharmaceutical companies are completely unaccountable for any injuries. And so billions of dollars have been spent from the vaccine court for injuries, but then they'll say there are no injuries. But it's it's just uh, an interesting subject to me that I'm just keep trying to get information and say, well, you know, it's just not true that all these studies are ironclad. They've never they've never really taken a placebo of of a vaccine and what they do is they take the adjuvants they take the metals the heavy metals and they use that as a placebo well that's not a placebo saline is a placebo so there's a lot of things that concern me about the data when you really start to dig and 
here again, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm just looking for the answers. And I, I don't feel like anyone should be punished for, for asking questions. You know, on, on that note, how, how wise is it or, you know, your opinion on treating animals the way we treat humans and vice versa? Yes, we share, you know, a lot of this, the same DNA, but in, in terms of, of treatment plans, how do you find us treating animals in, in comparison to how we treat a, a, a sick human? depends on the person i think i mean if my everyone everyone tells me i want to come back to earth as one of your animals i mean if my animal is sick i make sure that they get the care i know a lot myself i mean i don't run to the vet every time my animal's sick but you know i know that you can take out a can of organic pumpkin and put it in little into their food to help ease their stomach if they're having digestive problems and things like that um I think that that a lot of vet care could get better myself. I think they should be teaching a lot of these alternative methods and, and less invasive things um, in vet school. And, and of course, that's what I'm really hoping would come from this film is that is that people would get excited about some ideas. Um, you know, the IV vitamin C that you see in the film where they take vitamin C and they put it in a bag and they, you know, put a few other things in it and they put it directly into the blood system. That was so miraculous to see the change in dogs from just a day or two or three on that um, IVC that I started doing it. I called my doctor and I said, hey, do you ever do IVC? And he said, yes, it's called a Myers cocktail. And they sometimes put B in it or hyaluronic acid or other, other things they can put into these uh, drips. And both of my doctors, I have one in New York and I have one in Pennsylvania, who they highly recommend it for your immune system. So, so there's things like that that do translate between the dogs and the humans or the animals and the humans, um, which, you know, when you see the results, it's hard to, to deny. You, um, out of the, the, the patients you follow, you did, you did lose, um, a, a couple of, of dogs along the way, but you were very careful not to show show the actual the, the death or dying on screen. But as a filmmaker, as someone who's observing and is is largely neutral in this, um, what was it like for you filming and, and and watching others experience a loss in 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 this way? And why was that important for you to include in in, in the film? Well, I I've had. I'm on number nine and 10, I suppose, of my dogs. I have one sitting sitting here snoring at my feet right now. And um, I think that, unfortunately, most dogs, we're going to outlive most of our dogs. Most people, you know, will we'll outlive their dogs. And I had certainly lost eight in my lifetime. And I think it's, it would be untrue to try to, act like even the best vet could save every dog it just it doesn't happen i don't care whether you're going to the cornell center or or where you know when dogs get sick or they get advanced cancer um sooner or later they are going to pass away and i i think that to honor the people and the animals that have gone before us 
and gone down this path, I, I, it was really important to me to include that in the film. It was really hard because I, you get very emotionally attached to the people and to the animals. So, so there were many times that I was crying um, as I was filming this film. And so sometimes they were just happy tears, but, but it was often that I had been in that same clinic so many times and had been in that same waiting room in tears myself for my own dogs. And I just, I think it's really important. There's something that the dogs teach us in their life and it's something they teach us in their dying that if you're just paying attention, I think you're a better person for it. You know, what, what do you think our, our pets can teach us um, about life, about death, about um, com com companionship? Oh, they teach us, they teach us so much. They teach you to live in the moment because a dog is just in the moment. Even when something bad happens to them, they just, they kind of rally so quickly and they have a, they have a kind of joy that is, I, I think almost impossible to see in a, in a person other than a young child. You know, they just, they're just there, they're present. They have unconditional love. And, and too many times we're, you know, I think humans, they get judgmental. They, they get wrapped up in, in the little, small, stupid problems of life. And dogs just, they don't do that. And even in death, I'm going to cry if I start talking about death, but even, even in death, oh my God, it's just, it's something so noble about an animal that they, they're not dramatic. They're just, they're so present even at that moment. And they're just so loving and they just, it's, it's really, do you have a dog, Dan? Uh, I, I don't have a dog right now. We, we the family used to have a dog a, a few years back, but we don't have any anything right now. But I, so I, you know what I'm talking about, right? We we we've been there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Doctor Marty has this very interesting thing where he this idea of a cure. He says, "I'm not I'm not here to cure your pet. I'm here to treat the disease." Um, how do you think that idea can transform medicine if if we treat actual source rather than try, trying to cure it if that makes sense well his philosophy is kind of like i was saying earlier it's you know a lot of conventional medicine you know you take this drug to treat that you take this drug to treat that you you have a tumor we're going to give you chemo we're going to give you radiation we're going to treat that tumor we're going to cut it out it's going to be gone but his approach is more i want to lift up the entire being the entire body the body that was damaged enough to grow that tumor you know, or the the body that's that suddenly its immune system is turned on itself and it's got these horrible allergies. Like to just say, I'm just going to cure the tumor. Yes, people can do that. They can cut it out. They can get rid of it. But he wants to heal the whole body to where the, the body is strong enough not to regrow the tumor. So, and also I think that to, to say, you know, it's like curing cancer. It's, it's, it's like Rick Palmquist in the film said, you know, I expected him to say, yeah, I can cure cancer. 
And he doesn't say that because the body is what's going to cure your cancer. But you've got to heal the body. You've got to make the body stronger in order to cure the cancer. So it's not that he's trying to dodge, you know, be, be dodgy with his words and, and say things so that, oh, I, you know, I don't ever want to say I cured anything. It's, it's more the general philosophy of holistic medicine. So on, on that note, what is medicine then to you? What, what, is, what should medicine be? Well, it's like Hippocrates said, it's let, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Um, you know, it's what anything you're putting in your body is technically it's, it's medicine because your body is going to take it, whether it's a pill or pharmaceutical drug or food, and do something with it. And it's either going to make your body better or it's going to make your body worse. And I'm certainly not perfect. I mean, certainly in quarantine times, I, I have, you know, I think craved a little bit more comfort food than normal. Um, I think we all have been there. So, so it's not that you have to be a perfect person all the time with everything you eat, but you kind of have to be realistic and, and try to take care of this body that houses our soul for you know an entire lifetime you, you just got to make smart choices so medicine for me is usually i do take supplements right now i'm taking extra c i'm taking d3 um you know i i do take quite a handful of supplements every day um but i feel good i'm not on any other pharmaceutical drugs and i'm 63 years old um nobody well, I think my husband might be on something for his heart, but, but otherwise my dogs take basically supplements. Um, and that's, that's how we roll. And I don't know, I just feel like it works for me. You've, you've made the dog dog and, and we mentioned Buck earlier. Wow. Both of those are, are animal centric films. Do you think that's where you are headed? going forward or do you think you can foresee yourself making uh, you know a, a documentary or a film that doesn't necessarily have animals um, at its heart well I, I've also executive produced a lot of films and most of those also have animals at their theme um, but I, and I did a, I worked on a film called trapped and that was more about the abortion laws in our country um, I I am always drawn to films about animals just because I think that's where my heart is. But I'm certainly open. I'm certainly open to, to work on other things. It just depends on what moves me and what I think people, you know, if I think it's interesting and I think, wow, I wish, I wish somebody had told me this a long time ago, then I think other people probably think that way too. Uh, one of the songs that you have uh, in your closing credits is by, ironically, Cat Stevens, uh, which yes. I love. Um, how did how did getting that song into the project come about? Well, we were looking, we were kind of looking for songs that would just make sense in this dog-centric film, and I stumbled across this this song called "I Love My Dog," ironically by a guy named Cat. And so, so we, we went around the process of trying to secure it and, um, and we did. 
I, I, I think it's a great song. I, I think that sort of sums it up. I love my dog. And, it, and it's fitting that it's by a guy named Cat, right? Right, right. It's so ironic. Um, <laughs> if, if you had to sum up Dr. Marty in, in a couple of sentences, how, how would you do it? I think Marty is, there, geez, I, there's something so special about him because he is so passionate. And you know, like I said before, he's got the energy of a teenager. So I, I just feel like he's a real gift to, to animal kind and to mankind because he's brought an energy into the subject that I don't think many people could. What do you want people to, to take away from this film when they see it? Well, so far, I've already had so many people tell me, and this, this really warms my heart. So many people have said, you know, I took my dog off kibble, you know, I, or I just, I changed their food. I, I started paying attention and reading the labels. Cause if you really read the labels of your dog food or your cat food, you, you, and know how to understand what that says, you would be appalled. So just people changing their food. I had somebody tell me the other day that they had put their dog on the farmer's dog food after seeing the movie. And they said, I, I just can't believe it. Like everything about them is different. They're shinier, they, their coat's amazing, their energy's different. They just seem so happy. So for me, I would like people to start really thinking seriously about everything they do with their dog. Um, you know, you can look for a veterinarian that practices like this. If you go to the AHVMA, which is the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association, they will say, find a vet near you. And so, so vets that, that do believe in practicing um, with alternative medicine therapies along with conventional, are uh, signed up for that on that uh, website. And, and so I think if people would just shift their thinking about their dog and, and not think that a huge bag of kibble just that they haphazardly pour into a bowl every day, um, if, if they would just rethink that a little bit, I think, I think they could be amazed at who their dog really is. I, I think some people don't even know who their dog is because the dog is, is basically sick and they don't even know it. Well, uh, the film is The Dog Dog. Uh, it's a fascinating look for anyone who's interested in medicine and pets and veterinary science. Uh, Cindy Meal, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Well, thank you for having me. And I, I really do hope people see the film. It's, we, we loved making it. It's been a real fabulous experience for all of I us. Well, you, you have a good rest of your day and hopefully lockdown's not, uh, not too tough. Yes, and you too. You too. Take care and be safe. Be well. All right. Alrighty. Ciao. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. That was my conversation with Cindy Meal, the director of The Dog Doc. It is out now. That does it for me today. Uh, guest on my next show will be actress Becky Ann Baker, uh, who's part of a, a new short film, uh, as well as small roles and a couple of features. But she talked about what it's like 
working with her husband uh, in her latest project, the actor Dylan Baker. And next week, I'll be featuring my interview. I'm so happy this happened. One of my favorite actresses, uh, Liana Liberetto, stops by to talk about her, her new film, To the Stars, uh, as well, briefly talk about her other project, Banana Split. That's coming up in the coming weeks and days and shows on Endeavors. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Artists like to have a lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs>